Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to a whole bunch of scriptures. Let's do Romans 8, 14 and 2 Corinthians 3, 17. And if you follow along on the Bible app, uh, all of these notes are there for you. You can uh, follow along. I've got a lot of scripture uh, for you today. Uh, look at your neighbor. Okay, I want you to talk to them. Sometimes we talk to each other. If you're new here uh, and, and, and you, you know, you've never been uh, apart, sometimes we talk to each other, okay? That's how you keep your neighbor awake. We have an elbow-free policy here. Uh, we only use elbows in cases of emergency, okay? They're snoring. Elbows are legal, okay? Uh, but... No, I want you to talk to them and say, listen, uh, uh, I'm going to be discipled today. You just talk about yourself. Say, I'm going to be discipled today. Okay, some of you, do, you're not talking. You're not talking. All right. All right. Say it like you mean it to them. Say, you're going to be discipled today, whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to grow a little bit. Uh, we, we need to, how many of you know we need to grow in our knowledge of God's word? How many of you know that that is the, that is the foundation of all true wisdom comes from the Word of God. And aren't you thankful for that word that Pastor David brought last week about, hey, we need to, we need to serve the real Jesus. And, and, and we've been talking about for weeks what the real Jesus does in all four Gospels. Do you remember what he does? He baptizes in the spirit and fire. That's in all four Gospels. And when something's in the all four Gospels, you need to listen up. If God feels like it needs to be said four times, he understands we're a little hard of hearing, okay? And so uh, let's, let's today kind of continue in this series of understanding we're in the last hour. We're in perilous times. We're in a time where reason is being thrown away, where, where what used to make sense, the all of culture is throwing those things away. There, and, and the scripture has told us, and this is what the Holy Spirit said. He says, in the last hour, there will be perilous times. There will be a people that is raised up, listen, who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What does that mean? They will be more apt to follow feelings than follow the Spirit of God. But God's got a plan in the last hour. Aren't you glad he's got a plan? That he's not just going to let the whole thing fall apart. He said, there will be a people who follows feelings, but I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And I'm going to find a remnant and a people who will say what I'm saying, who will be moved by what moves me. And, 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 and we've been looking at that for weeks in this series called Holy Fire. Why? Because God's plan for turning Israel back to him when they were steeped in idolatry, when they were steeped in perversion, when they were steeped in serving themselves rather than serving God, his plan was this. I'm going to find a man who will align himself with my heart. And that was Elijah. Who will stand before kings who are compromised. Before their perverse wives named Jezebel. And he says, I will stand and we'll put it to the test. And he says, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. Now, how many of you know there's still a God who answers by fire? 
It's not, it, listen, it's not a physical flame that's falling from heaven. It's a spiritual flame that's falling to, uh, from heaven. And the Bible says in the last days, he would raise up those who walk in the spirit of Elijah. But I, wanted, I want you to understand something. If we're really going to be people who, who, uh, who walk with God in this last hour, we're going to have to do what Elijah did. And Elijah did something preceding this fire moment coming down from heaven. He prayed. He prayed. And today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you a message that is connected to prayer in a way that the Holy Spirit gets involved in. And I'm going to disciple you and teach you and give you loads of scripture. We're going to confront confusion this morning. We're going to confront uh, a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding. How many of you know that in the last hour you're going to need to know how to pray? You need to know. Well, by the way, we're not just reacting to what we see. God wants a people who will intercede uh, on, on the front end before something takes place and put things to stop. How many of you know there are things that need to be stopped in this nation right now? And let me tell you, before they ever get any traction in Washington, D.C., they will have gained traction in the private place where the body of Christ bowed her knee and aligned her heart with God and cried out until God established the thing. Now, listen, this is one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is that they follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, uh, uh, you know, that for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, we're supposed to be led by this holy fire that comes down from heaven. These are the sons of God. Listen, church, hear me. We're not simply to be led by our minds. We are to be led by the Spirit of God, which means we're going to have to be able to discern His voice. We're going to have to understand how he moves, how he leads, and understand it biblically. Now, we're really good at following our flesh and following our minds, but so is the world. So what's the distinguishing mark of the, of the body of Christ? We follow the Holy Spirit. We hear his voice. We understand his leading. We understand his promptings, and we follow him. And just for the sake of clarity, you need to know this, and I've been saying this, and I want to re, uh, reintroduce this again. The Holy Spirit is God. He's God. He's not just a force. He's not just a power. He's not what the Mormons say, just a force. He's not what Jehovah's Witnesses say, just a manifestation of power. He is not. He is God the Spirit because 2 Corinthians 3 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How many of you could use a little more freedom in your life? All the hands that are not up, we're going to pray about a sermon online. You could have, I, I can see you from here. I know what's going on. We could, all, we could all use a little more liberty and a little more freedom and a little more victory over the flesh and victory over those thoughts that betray who we are. We could all use that. So the way that you enter into greater liberty isn't by, by just saying, oh, I'm going to be free, I'm going to be free, I'm going to be free. No, it's by welcoming the freeing presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So today, 
I want to share a message that, that probably, um, maybe a few of you have heard me teach along these lines before, and I, I, I can assure you that there are people uh, who today will hear a message for the very first time from a pulpit about the topic I'm going to be sharing on. The reason is, is because there's a lot of people who totally avoid certain scriptures in the Bible because they're like, I, I don't understand this. I don't, really, I don't really have a lot of knowledge. I haven't spent a lot of time in this. Maybe even theologically, you may have come in today and wandered into this place and say, wow, this is a little bit different spirit. Listen, we are a spirit-filled fellowship. We believe that God baptizes in the Holy Spirit with all the gifts subsequently manifesting in the lives of sons and daughters. Not just the few, not just the pastors or the, the prophets. No, it's for all of us. And so today, I want you to understand that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us to pray. So I'm going to speak to you a message called the grace of tongues. The grace of tongues. I told you we were going to get discipled today. You're like, oh man, this is the week I invited my neighbor and pastor's preaching on tongues. I know you want to lean over to him right now. I know. And you just want to say, oh listen, it's not normally like this. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They're lying to you again. They didn't lift their hands a minute, a minute ago. They're lying to you again. Okay. No, it is. It is this way every week. Why? Because we want to pursue the heart of God. We want to pursue the truth of the Scripture. So we're going we're gonna, to um, take some time, and there, there's a reason why I'm addressing this. First, I, I already told you that we're going to need to know how to pray in the last hour. And if the Holy Spirit is involved in our prayer life, we want him involved at the, the maximum level that we can have him involved in. The second thing is, is that here at Calvary, our number one value is prayer. And listen, we don't say that lightly. Our number one value is prayer. Listen, we do three services on Sunday, but every day the office is open, we do a service called daily prayer. It's worship, and it is prayer and intercession. And, and I promise you, if you come to daily prayer, you're like, man, I, I mean, I love Sundays, but I love what God does in daily prayer. Because what we pray for happens here. What we pray for manifests. And, and I want you to, to understand really not only this, but the, that the Holy Spirit, when you get born again, he will lead you to pray. There's been a lot of pushback to this area of prayer. Uh, even some in the church have described a life given to prayer as doing nothing. I'm here to tell you today, if you ever get into the place of prayer and you understand its power, you will really understand you're not doing nothing. You are shifting things in the unseen realm so that they can manifest in the seen. So, but this title is very specific. And I want to tell you why I titled this message, The Grace of Tongues. Um, there is a gift of tongues, and then there's the grace of tongues. I, I titled it this way on purpose. Okay, not so we could have a theological wrestling match, but so you could understand the difference between a gift and a grace. 
A gift is for some. The gift of tongues means that somebody might have a message from God to people in a tongue that's not our native tongue that demands interpretation. Not everybody operates in that. That's a gift. The grace of tongues is for everybody. The reason I titled it The Grace of Tongues is because grace itself is for everybody. How many of you agree? The grace of God is extended to everybody. And the reason I have titled it this way is so that you understand what is for everybody and what is for some. I can hear the gears in your brains turning this morning. So, let's just talk about this, this, this grace of, uh, of tongues. And here's, way, here's a way that you could... Think about the difference between the gift and the grace. How many of you know that in the scripture there is a gift of giving? You ever read that before? That there is a gift of giving. Now I have this other question for you. How many believers are called to be generous? All of them are called to be generous. However... Not all of them have the gift of giving. It's the same way in this area. When we understand how the Holy Spirit... We're all called to, to pray in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. But we won't all operate in the gift where a message is shared in a different language. And then that, then that needs... And interpretation. So let's just talk about the grace part, the part that's for everybody. First thing you need to understand today about the grace of tongues is it's scriptural. And I'm I'm about to give you a whole lot of scripture here. Okay? So if you're if you're if you're kind of following along, you should take notes. You should go and look for yourself. Go and check for yourself. Notice this. He says, For if for he who speaks in a tongue, listen, does not speak to men. But to God, what is that? When you're speaking to God, what is that called? That is called prayer. prayer. Let's try that again. When you're speaking to God, that is called prayer. Now you're getting the picture here, okay? Now you're thinking as you're reading. Now you're, you're, you're beginning to, to understand. It says, for no one understands him. However, notice this, notice this, these three words that come together. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. In the Spirit, that is, that is describing the one who is what? Speaking to the Lord in prayer in a language they didn't naturally learn. Notice who the message is directed toward. It's directed toward God. That's prayer. Paul then describes this prayer with these words, in the Spirit. Now, a little further down in 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 14, he says for this, For if I, and he says it clearly, pray in a tongue. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is my conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. Here's a pop quiz. What's he talking about? Praying in? Okay, now you're getting it. Tongues, that's right. So he says, I will pray with the Spirit. He's talking about in a language not naturally learned, one birth from the Holy Spirit. And I will also pray with understanding. He's saying, I'm going to pray 
with the language I naturally learned. I will sing with the Spirit. That means in the the language birthed by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I will also sing with understanding. Which suggests there are prayers you pray you don't understand and songs you sing you don't understand. But the Holy Spirit understands them perfectly and so does the Father in heaven whom the message is for. I told you you're going to be discipled this morning. Come on, you can just shout out amen anytime you want to. All right? He calls it, listen, he calls it praying in tongues with the Spirit. Now look at verse 18. Now look at this. This is in your Bible. It's not not just in pastor's Bible. This is in your Bible. The Apostle Paul, whom all of us celebrate, he says this, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. Do you hear this? The The Apostle Paul says, More than the whole Corinthian church. He said, I am praying in tongues more than you could ever know. But then he says, he says, hey, by the way, when we're gathering, there is a proper perspective. He says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, which is made for the the corporate gathering. It is so edifying for the corporate gathering And do not forbid to speak with tongues. It says do not forbid it. There are are entire streams, entire denominations that come out and forbid it. You know what that is? Spiritual blindness. When you read something clearly and you do the opposite, you have to be completely blind to the truth. Oh, I'm helping some people. I can tell from the looks on your face this morning. God bless you. And not only do they forbid it, but they don't teach on it. I've heard well-meaning pastors come and say, Say to me, you know what? We don't really teach that because we don't want to confuse the people. I'm like, now I'm confused. What did they, what did they hire you for? Why are you in that position of leadership? What are you doing? Here's the truth. Write this down. Confusion in the church only flourishes in the absence of biblical teaching and pastoral responsibility. It is our responsibility to teach you the full measure of the Word of God. And you'll only be confused when you don't dive in and look into it. That's our responsibility. Now, let me give you another truth. The grace of tongues, not only is it scriptural, it's a benefit to you. It's a benefit. I've heard that question, uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times. Why do we do this? God gave it as a benefit to believers. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue, listen to this, edifies himself. 
but he who prophesies edifies the church. The, the word but uh, could also be said on the other hand. So let me say it to you that way. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. What's he talking about? This personal relationship with the Lord. He's saying, he's saying listen, you'll be built up in your personal relationship with the Lord when you're praying in the Spirit. He says, but on the other hand, the church is edified when someone speaks in a naturally known language that which God is saying in something everyone understands. The whole church will be edified when it operates that way. Let me, um, let me give you another example because this helps us. I use generosity. Let's, let's, let's just say it this way. How many of you know that believers should read their Bibles? It's the Word of God, in case you didn't know that. It's the bread. It should be the main staple of your spiritual diet. Not podcasts, not re-watching sermons. The Word of God directly to you, taken in, should be the main staple. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. It's what Jesus said in answer to the temptation from Satan. But let me say it to you this way. He who reads his Bible in private is edified. But he who reads his Bible in public, the church is edified. Do you see this? Do you see this application? Do you see how, how, how you can get built up in private, but you can have a similar operation and it builds up many? Let me give you another passage that, that you probably know well out of Ephesians 6. You know, we quote all about the armor of God. I'm here to tell you that the armor of God is not clearly taught without understanding what happens to the believer when they are baptized in the Holy Spirit and the grace of tongues comes on their life. You don't understand the armor of God without the grace that comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's why. I'll show it to you. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication, and notice these three words again, in the Spirit. What did he equate in the Spirit with in 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Praying in tongues. It's the same three words, same in the Greek. It's absolutely the same. And so what, we're, what are we seeing here? He's saying, listen, we need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, apply it in prayer as we are what? Praying in tongues. Being what? Watchful to this end and with all perseverance and, and supplication with all saints. Now, let me give you, let me, uh, let me give you something that you can clearly tie together with uh, 1 Corinthians uh, you know, 2. It says, if I pray, I pray with, uh, you know, with, uh, I'm, I'm praying and it's just a message between me and God. When you connect Ephesians 6 and 1 Corinthians 14, 2, here's what you find out. When I pray in the Spirit, I'm protected, I'm built up, and I'm provided for. That's what Ephesians 6 says. God has provided everything. And when I, ac I access that kind of provision when I pray in the Spirit. 
That's what this is clearly saying. You're being protected and provided for when you pray in the Spirit. Jude chapter 20 says clearly, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You compare this with verse 4 of chapter 14, and he says he edifies himself. I just have this question. How many of you could use a little encouragement? Again, you don't know you very well if you didn't lift your hands. My Bible says, encourage one another today while it's still called today, lest you become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let me just tell you that there is an encouragement that comes from others, but there is also an edification, a building up, which is what the word edify means, a building up, an encouragement that comes when you pray in the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're feeling worn down, if you're feeling wasted, you don't know if I can make it, come on, just get into the secret place and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and suddenly he says, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to edify you. You say, I, don't, I won't even know what's going on. Listen, have you ever had an operation? You just lay down on the table. They say, you're going to go to sleep and when you wake up, it's going to be all over. And before you know it, some mass saint is standing, standing over you saying, Hey, wake up, wake up, it's all over, you did great. So I didn't do, any, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I just went to sleep, woke up, and my problem got fixed. When you pray in the Holy Spirit and that thing that's been wearing on you, man, it's been wearing you down and you've been trying to apply your mind, you've been trying to apply all of your resources and all of your education, but sometimes you need to get in God's operating room in the place of intercession. This is why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get in that secret place and pray a prayer you could never come up with on your own in other tongues, and you just say, God, I'm getting back in that place. We're prone to neglect this, by the way. Don't matter how spiritual you are. No matter how long you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is our nature to try to do things on our own. But we have to consistently humble ourselves. Even after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have to consistently humble ourselves and say, God, I'm going to enter into the prayer that you said will build me up. And I'm going to believe by faith that I'm going to be strengthened when I do this. Why would you not want to be built up? That's the, that's the question that I offer to every person that says, well, I, I don't think I need it. I'm sure you do. I'm sure of it. Not from my observation of your life, but from my observation of the word. Listen to me. Please hear me. Jesus died so you can have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't need it, we wouldn't see that pattern of three everywhere. Salvation, water, spirit. Remember that message from a couple of weeks ago? If you didn't get to hear it, go back to Calvary Down Online and listen to that message. You see the pattern. Salvation, we're baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. Then we're baptized by disciples. 
in water. And then Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Go back and listen to it. It'll help you. We all need to be built up. And then lastly, let me give you this. This is what a lot of people don't understand. The grace of tongues is an opportunity. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have the opportunity to pray in tongues. Some of us have these weird ideas about, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have these very weird thoughts uh, about these things like, oh man, this is something that is way beyond my control. God's just going to completely uh, you know, override all of my senses and, and this, is, that's, this is only in a God chapter, like when I do this, you know, suddenly I wake up, you know, two hours later and I have no idea what happened. That is a wrong view of how God operates in the life of a believer. Satan wants to possess to control. Jesus redeems and invites his people into partnership. This is what it's like to pray in the Spirit. You choose it. It's an opportunity. Acts 19, look at what happened. When, when uh, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began to pray, pray in tongues. Acts 19, 1, again, this is 25 years after Pentecost. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's saying, why? He, why is he even asking this question if they automatically got it? So they, they said, they said um, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that what? They should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So what happened when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 19? They began to speak with other tongues, and then they also prophesied. Now that happened not only in Acts 19, but in Acts 10, Acts 8, and Acts 2. And I would suggest to you that when God came and shook the building in Acts chapter four and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god with boldness i guarantee you if god shakes the building a whole bunch of y'all will pray in tongues <laughs> i know i would lord is this you if not i need to get out <laughs> now after paul listen after he was baptized in the holy spirit what did he say 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Listen to this. For, look at this word. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What's my conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with understanding. You see... 
he's choosing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I will. He's not saying, hey, by the way, this is not some, some spiritual vortex that just drops on you from time to time that is beyond your control. He is saying, after you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is an always an opportunity to pray in the Holy Spirit. You choose it. It's an opportunity. If it wasn't, why would Paul give instructions on how and when if you didn't have a choice? Think about that. That's 1 Corinthians 14. It's all through it. It's how to use it and when to use it. If we didn't have a, a part to play in it. I'm, I'm trying to dispel some of the thoughts that have kept us from the reality of the truth when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may have a concern that I had when I was a, a young person. Because I went to the church that what, you know, what they, they told us, first of all, they told us that drums in the church was from the devil. Because, I'm going to tell you what they told me. Because they play the beats of Africa. I actually believe that statement is steeped in racism and stupidity. So if you ever hear that nonsense, get to the root of what that cause is. Because them jokers come in, and if it's southern gospel, oh, that's straight from heaven. I know some of y'all like southern gospel. That's fine. That's fine. They're just not playing it in heaven. Not in my neighborhood. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the point is, there was a lot of things that were called the devil. A lot of things. And I, I don't know. I, 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 some of you had a similar experience to this. And I remember clearly that someone said to me as a child, when you hear someone praying in tongues, that's the devil. Here's what I heard often. Oh, the devil can do signs and wonders. There was none in our church. So what, what I clearly understood is God doesn't do miracles, but Satan does. There's power, but Satan has all kinds of power. But the only power that Jesus has is to save. I'm just telling you my experience, and, and I don't know about you, but this is, I think some of us have this shared experience, and it's greatly influenced how we view the Holy Spirit. I was told, clearly, hey, that tongue stuff, that's from Satan. And you may be concerned. You say, well, if somebody prays for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what if I get a devil? What if I get a devil? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because you think you don't already have them. <laughs> the point being is that God knew this in advance 
And Jesus spoke to this directly in the scripture. In Luke 10, 19, let me show you something. Jesus says to his disciples, Behold, I give you authority to trample on what? Serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. You believe that? That we have power, notice these words, over serpents and scorpions. What is that symbolic of? Help me out here, church. This is a Berean church, so I know that you are well thought out. What do, what do serpents and scorpions symbolize? What do they symbolize? Demons, devils, right? Demons and devils. And so that's what that symbolizes. Now look what Jesus says one chapter later in Luke chapter 11. He says this. If a son asks for bread from any father among them, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? He knew that there would be a fear that if you prayed and say, God, come and fill me, that the people would be afraid of opening up their spiritual life that they might get a demon. I'm here to tell you, God is way better than you think. And he said, I'm better than your natural fathers who would never do that to you. And he says, so if you will ask for the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get a demon. I'm here to help some people. Some people have never even asked. Did you know that you could ask? And that God wants to give that good gift to you. That was my story. Age 12, my mom took our, the three of us, my, myself and my two younger sisters, to a place called Carpenter's Home Church. I'd never been to a church so big, 10,000 seats. It was, a, it was a sight to see. We grew up in our little missionary Baptist church all our whole life. Good little church. And a great church still today. People are still being one for Christ in that church. But I'm, I'm telling you my experience. I went to a Christian school for six years and never once heard mention of the working of the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that's supposed to help us every day. But as a child, I went to that service that day. I remember God's uh, touch on my life uh, that day was profound. It happened, uh, first of all, through an usher who was, back, back, back then in the 80s, the ushers all wore the same color jacket, right? They all, got, they all went to the back. They all got the same color jacket on. Had, just in case you didn't know from the jacket, they even had a little sign that said usher, Okay. <laughs> Man, if kids walked in, if kids walked into services today with guys in jackets with a sign that says Usher, they'd say, you're not Usher. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. To these young people who understand what I just said. He's an artist. Uh, right? Okay, got it. But at the end of the service, he gave a call for salvation. 
That was the same as what I'd always heard. By grace, through faith, that's how you're born again. You receive it. I'm like, I've done that. 12 years old, I knew. I'd given my life to Christ. But then they gave a secondary call. If after you've been baptized, if after you've been born again, and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then, uh, then you're a candidate to be filled and overflowing with the Spirit. And if you're saved, th then, you can, then you can receive this. It was a very simple thing. What age 12? I mean, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even ask permission over my mom. I just said, well, that's me. All right, I'm going. I got up from my chair, answered that altar call, went down front. They took us in the back, began to pray over me. And I began to hear a prayer language on the inside. But immediately, when I heard the prayer language, I also heard this voice. You know that praying in tongues is the devil. And I, I, I'm like, Did, what just happened? And at age 12, I believe I received a baptism in the Spirit and yet never took the opportunity to partner with God because I had bad teaching. And it was for nine years. It's not until the fire of God fell on me in a restaurant. Thank God for the fire of God that fell on me and that touch that came on my life. Because at that moment, there was no holding back the flood that God had dug the well of nine years before. Listen to me. God knows how to topple our walls. God knows how to get past our barriers. God knows how to say, listen, I'm not like any natural father. I'm better than him. I want to edify you. I want to strengthen you. I want to help you not only survive the last days, but to thrive in the last hour and lead many people to the foot of the cross they themselves then becoming candidates for the baptism in the Holy Spirit you say well I'm not just I'm just not an outspoken person I won't build a theology around it but I prayed for a girl in foster care years ago she was in foster care experienced all kinds of trauma as I was praying for her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the Lord told me this is not going to happen in public Matter of fact, for her, it's going to happen in her sleep. He showed me she was laying face down in her bed, head in her pillow. All the trauma, all the walls, all the negativity in her life. God says, I don't care, I love her, I'm going to topple these walls. And I said to the people around who were praying for that young lady that day, who was in our student ministry, I said, listen, y'all can keep praying if she'll let you, but this ain't happening here. And I said, turn and look at me. I said, the Lord showed me you would be face down in your pillow, sound asleep, and God's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. She miraculously graduated high school, got into college, and was halfway through her first semester at Southeastern, uh, the Assemblies of God School in Lakeland. And she calls me halfway through the first semester. She says, Pastor Otis, you won't believe what happened last night. Last night, I had a dream. And I was in this large church, the same one that I had that encounter with. I was in this large church called Carpenter's Home in a dream. And there on the, on the platform was an African choir of children. And the African choir of children began to sing a song. And a cloud formed over them. And that cloud formed over them, rolled 
rolled off the stage and in my dream rolled over me. And in my dream, when the cloud touched me, I began to pray in tongues. And then I suddenly woke up in my sleep praying in other tongues. Listen to me. That young lady would go on to spend 10 years in what continent would you guess? Foster care, abuse. I'm telling you, the enemy trying everything to keep her out of her purpose. But God says, no, I'm going to overcome your walls. I'm going to send the fire of my spirit, and I'm going to use your life for my glory. Come on, church. Are you ready to see God take down some walls? Are you ready for a fresh baptism? Are you ready for holy fire and to be used in the last hour, in this last moment where God sweeps in, I believe, hundreds of thousands of souls into the kingdom of God. It's when a church says, okay, I'm ready, God. Send fire here. Help me to pray. I need the grace of tongues. I need the gifts of the Spirit. I need it all, Lord. I need it all. i got to tell you, though, first, got to be born again. you got to be born again. You've got to surrender your life to Christ. And then he'll fill you. I'm going to give you this last scripture. This is, the, this is a really good one. The very first part of 1 Corinthians 14, 5. This is the Apostle Paul. He says this. I wish you all spoke in tongues. You know that's in your Bible, right? I wish you all spoke in tongues. Why would the Apostle Paul write that? That that was a longing, a desire in his heart if we didn't.